Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Happy Halloween. This isn't a Halloween-themed episode, but it is on Halloween Day. I hope that you are going to enjoy it. I love Halloween. I love this time of year. I hope that you are dressed up in some sort of crazy outfit as you listen to this episode. Fun episode today. We have Dr. Andy Rourke on. He's a veterinarian. He's a good friend. A lot of people want to have a career in comedy. They want they, they start doing comedy in their town and they want it to take off. They want it to go somewhere. They want to make a living. Those are all fine ambitions. Many of us have them and there's nothing wrong with that. The only issue is You need to be disciplined. You have to have a plan. You have to have a course of action in order to make that dream come true for you. It doesn't just happen out of nowhere. You actually have to put yourself into a certain position. And a lot of people don't know that. And even some people who do do not realize what it is they need to do to have that plan. They don't know how to create a plan. That's why we have guests like Dr. Andy Rourke on. He gives some really great information and knowledge about having that discipline and making a plan for yourself so that you can utilize comedy to push your career forward. He gives a lot of really great advice for that. He's a great friend from South Carolina. He's a really great guy. He's very encouraging, but he also challenges you, and he does it in an encouraging way that inspires. And I think he has a lot of really great stuff to share here. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Dr. Andy Rourke. Well, for one, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. I've been I listened to the first episode. I remember when you did the first episode. I, I was oh, cool. I was right there cheering you on, man. It's 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 great. You've been great and, and supportive. I know some people listening to this might say, Okay, I read in the in the description that he's a veterinarian, so why is he on a comedy centric podcast? So I'll tell you listeners, for one, Andy's great, but secondly, I met him doing improv at the Alchemy Comedy Theater and he utilizes comedy in the work that he does. So it's a good discussion for us to have where I'm mainly wanting to get into how you utilize comedy and improv to expand your work. Because I think there's so many people that can learn from your career and what you've been doing. So, uh, but let's start out here. What made you even want to get into improv comedy to begin with? Well, it was kind of the next step in a progression. So I, I'm a, I am a veterinarian. I still, I still practice medicine. You can bring me your pets and I will take care of them. And I'll be happy to do it. I'd love to do it. And so I, I started out and uh, I was seeing appointments and taking care of pets. And, and then my daughter was born. And I just – I don't know why, but I started just – I, I love I talking to her. And she was this precocious little girl and, and she's so funny. And so I started sort of recording these little, you know, daddy-daughter interactions. And you've seen a million people do this. Uh-huh. But honestly, it was right kind of when Facebook was kind of starting up and really starting to grow beyond college campuses. And, you know, I started writing this stuff down and, and I, I noticed that – I was okay at it, you know, of, of telling a good joke or telling a quick story in that format. And I just started practicing it and, and, and it made people laugh and, and people liked to hear what I was doing. And, and, and at the same time I, I started writing some articles, kind of some op-ed pieces for veterinarians. Mm-hmm. And I would start, start to put these kind of jokes in there, you know, kind of, kind of weave some humor into that. Mm-hmm. And it really just sort of grew into this weird business where I, <laughs> I, 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 I lectured all day yesterday in Atlanta I just I just signed on today to speak in Holland and the UK and oh, Singapore. Wow. Yeah, wow. next year. Uh, I was in Australia a couple months ago uh, doing this. So it's become this, wow. this crazy thing. But it really all came from that. And so I was doing more presenting and more lecturing and, and um, 
I, I, I own two conferences now, which is insane. <laughs> and, and, but it, but it really, it all came from, from comedy and, and having a voice that was distinctive that, that people inside the field of veterinary medicine, the nurses, the doctors, the, the people who manage hospitals, the people who work at the front desk, they, they connected with that voice and, and they thought it was funny and they thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And so really it all came from there. So I was doing mm-hmm. a lot of presenting and lecturing and I just felt like, how do I take this to the next level? And it was one of those lightning strike, you know, lucky things where I just, I sat down in Google and I typed in improv comedy because of, you know, whose line is it anyway? And I yeah. thought, man, how do I, how do I talk to people in an audience? And, and really I was interested in audience work and I didn't know that's what it was at the yeah. time, you know, yeah. but that's really what I wanted more of. And I just, I remember whose line is it anyway? And type that in and boom, like 101 courses at alchemy comedy theater were starting, you know, two weeks later, oh, something wow. ridiculous. <laughs> and I just showed up at the first day and it's been five years, you know, just yeah. uh, doing comedy. And, and now, you know, I'm on two teams that, that we play a lot, at least once a week. I'm doing improv comedy as well as traveling and doing the other stuff I do. It's fairly common, f- I'm hearing, for people to who are maybe in advertising or something that involves public speaking to say, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about improv comedy or I was in this corporate event and they had improv there and they're talking about how it can help you with your public speaking or coming up with ideas or or different things like that so it sounds like that's an experience you had but it also more specifically with you you're mostly having the experience of i've been utilizing humor and so it was like well let me get more into humor well there's two there's two pieces of that that i that i think are really true number one um Number one is that humor cuts through noise, and we have we have more noise today than ever before. And some of it's good because everybody can have a platform. But I mean, if you want to make a living, and this is sort of how how I grew grew my business and how I sort of took comedy and made it into something that has been financially lucrative for me, um, it's because there's a ton of noise, and people will stop what they're doing. They will stop looking at their cell phone. They will they will stop looking at Twitter. They'll stop streaming Netflix if you're there and you're and you're making them laugh and you just got them and you, and that is such a powerful skill and people who do comedy and do stand up and do improv they don't realize that the way the world is evolving they've just got this this power to you know to to cut through the noise and grab people mm-hmm. and the other the other part of that the second part is you know looking at it now looking at improv forever in, in education and communication we would stand at the front of a room like at a podium and just lecture to people mm-hmm. but people they don't have that attention span anymore like we don't want that how boring right. is that yeah. to have some dude talking at you for 45 <laughs> minutes and so i just i i think the way we communicate and we're so used to being sort of entertained i think that that's influencing everything that we do mm-hmm. and improv comedy gives you that power to just to grab people Mm-hmm. And and make them part of the experience. And so now I teach veterinarians, you know, communication stuff, managing staff, like running their business. I, I teach them boring business stuff, mm-hmm. but I grab them and I pull them into what I'm doing and I make them laugh. And while they're laughing, I stuff the information <laughs> down their throats and into their body so it's retained. Like, that's it. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the superpower that just – it makes improv so practical and useful in today's world, no matter what you do for a living. Absolutely. And you also sort of reference there, and I can only paraphrase the quote. I'm not sure if it was a Del Close quote or not. It's been attributed to him, but that while they're laughing, stuff information, stuff the truth down their throat. You know, like it's, yeah. uh, well, they, I guess it's something to the effect of while their mouths are open. And because they're laughing, but it's, it's definitely a paraphrased quote. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, but it's made the improv rounds. Uh, but you're right. It's a really good, useful tool in being engaging, being in the moment, being present, listening to other people and, and engaging them so that you can best help them. <laughs> you know, like all of these things yeah. are that's at its core what you're doing as a veterinarian, whether you are actively giving medical care to a pet or doing a conference, you're trying to help people. And exactly. Yeah. 
And the best way to help people is to listen to them and to hear them and to be in the moment and present with them so that you can help expand on that. So it's really more than just comedy even. Like now we're talking about something a little bit deeper than making people laugh and feel good. It's also about you can help them now because they're paying attention to you and they they you've you've brought joy to them. <laughs> so now like why not give them an additional joy of help? Well, you know, I have I have such a massive respect for people like you who 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 embrace comedy in its pure form. And you know what I mean and 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 do it as as its own beginning, middle, and end. And that, that's, that's so awesome and so incredible, and it's, it's wonderful art. I, I, I don't think – I would never pretend that I, that I have that, that skill. I, I have taken comedy up as a tool, uh, which I love, mm-hmm. but as a tool to help me accomplish this other thing, which is veterinary medicine. So as, as I try to make a living, right, as I try to put food on the table for my family, I look at the Venn diagram. It's like what is the thing that I can do – to make money that people will pay, pay me for. And then how do I lay comedy on top of that? And then the overlap, that's where I want to go is what is funny about veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. And just as a classic veterinarian, man, having people bring their pets in and they got their kids with them and they're stressed and their dog is, you know, um, just rolling around on the floor and their kids are climbing on the countertops and stuff. And they're, Stress level, you know, set at 150%. Yeah. If you can go in and make those people laugh and, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and draw them into what you're doing. And the kids too, especially you, you draw the kids into what you're doing and make them laugh. And you, you've got someone who will come back to you again and again and again forever. Right. And that, that's how you become successful as a doctor is, is, is drawing those people in and bonding them to you. Mm-hmm. And comedy is, is my tool of choice. And I, I think that's true for anything. And, and the most classic example, which people roll their eyes at is, you know, it's, it's like comedy traffic school. You, <laughs> you got you to go to traffic school. Who doesn't want to go to the one where you might, I mean, you might at least laugh, right? but you, but you scale that up. And it's mm-hmm. like, what about, what about comedy business consulting? What about, you know, mm-hmm. comedy, you know, architecture, what, whatever <laughs> that is, it's still a powerful tool that can, that can grow what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you have seen a lot of success in how you've grown it. And let's talk about how you develop that when you've let's first go over all the different ways you do it. Now, we've mentioned conferences and you're sure I've been involved with a couple of things that you're doing and utilizing comedy. But in, a, in your conferences, you're doing some improv games. And, uh, you know, some of that is ice breaking, but some of that is also uh, role playing information for them. Right. Uh, Absolutely. So, so yeah. So you came with me. You and I spoke in New York. We went yeah. to New York together. That was back when you lived in South Carolina. Yeah. And and you came along. And, and let's we can talk a little bit about our trip. As we flew in yeah. uh, to New York, we rented a car, drove out to, to the location Wild we were Bill. having this. Yeah. yeah. And and we and we we went to work. And it's a mixture of we just did some we did some improv games just to make people laugh. I mean, mm-hmm. here they are. They work. These people had worked all day. And then at five o'clock, they get in their car and they go see these guys that they, they probably barely know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they show up and they've had a long day. Let's make them laugh. Like, let's let's grab them. Let's right. cut through the clutter. Let's let's hook them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then we went on and, and we we delivered the information, the knowledge, the stuff they were supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And and we role played. And that's the biggest thing is you can tell somebody, hey, this is how you do it. But. I really believe the magic of improv, when you make that thing on the stage and everyone in the audience is like, oh my gosh, they just they just brought that out of the air. That magic mm-hmm. can work in a more um, more formal setting. Like people yeah. are still – the respect that you get when you stand on stage and, and I say to an audience, okay, tell me about um, a case that you saw recently. What was wrong with this pet? And they tell me, and then you and I go to work, and we mm-hmm. we recreate that scenario, and and the pet owner's experience, and and my experience as a doctor, it just it blows their mind in a way that if you and I had come and we'd memorized scripts, <laughs> right. it, it never would have phased them. Yeah. But but you just you get them and you grab their attention. And it's and a lot are, of that even is going to be the 
experience of, oh my gosh, they just mentioned this random thing that I didn't mention when I told the story. How did they know that that happened? I mean, there's that sort of re- connection with the, with the work. It really is. If you want to be effective it, when, you're, when you're communicating in business and in whatever you're doing, there's two pieces to it. Mm-hmm. Number one is the knowledge. It's the information. It's the thing that people are paying you to deliver or to give to them. It's like, hey, here's how you work with angry people. Hey, here's how you install this software program. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, here's how you, you run the cash register, whatever it is. That's the knowledge. And the other part is the resonance. Is like, how do you make it stick to this person? Like, how do you grab them so they hear it? Because we all spend the day and people talk at us and most of it just kind of flies right past us. And, you know, we, we kind of nod and go on with our life. <laughs> right. Really, the power in comedy is, is the ability to really grab someone by the ears metaphorically, you know, and make this, this knowledge hit them. And the thing that I saw in comedy that just, just illustrates this point so clearly have you seen Patton Oswalt's new special on Netflix, The it's, Annihilation? It's on my list. I haven't seen it yet. So I I saw it a couple of days ago and just I, I loved it. Like it just it yeah. is, it just it just grabbed me deeply. And this is the one where he talks about the tragic you know passing of his wife and mm-hmm. it is funny. I mean he does he does great work and there's a lot of great comedy, but he he talks about about the loss of his wife and and relaying this this news to his child. And I mean it's deep, heavy stuff. But he does it. He does it with comedy in sorrow, mm-hmm. and and man, I was so attached to this, Jason. It's just I blinked my eyes and the thing was over. And I could talk to you now about about what he said in depth after hearing it one time. Mm-hmm. That's the resonance that I'm talking about. And it's just, can you grab somebody? And I think about you know, I think about people. If you've ever been, if you ever had a tour guide. That was just mm-hmm. amazing. It's because they captured you yeah. and they put this knowledge in your head. And that is such a, a, a marketable skill and it's such a way that we use comedy in, in, a, in whatever you do for a living to just blow up, you know, first of all, your enjoyment of what you do, but also the outcome and how successful you can be. Yeah. And on top of doing that work, you're also utilizing the Internet to continue that kind of work and the use of comedy is through the use of comedy. Like you had uh, cone of shame. Uh, it's a comedy uh, web series that you're doing and it's all giving information, useful information to pet owners uh, about what they can do for their pets, things to help them, but they're, they're jokes, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the idea of, how people will get their news from the daily show or something like that was like, Oh yeah, you can do that here too, where I'm giving people information that's useful to them, but also we're doing it through jokes. <laughs> that, that's exactly, I mean, the daily show is, is obviously a great inspiration. I've, I've got this weird little, and trust me, I know it's weird. I, veterinary <laughs> medicine is a weird thing to be really into but it's my thing and I, I love it. So I've got this weird bit of information and it could be like you could own a comic book store and owning comic book stores is like your weird thing. Mm-hmm. But you find your weird thing mm-hmm. and then you say, how do I communicate this? And I think The Daily Show, what The Daily Show and John Oliver um, and, and the late night uh, Jimmy Fallon have done with our news mm-hmm. in the last you know, two years even, yeah. it's, it, it's instructive. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, we get our news from the daily show and from John Oliver. There's, I mean, John Oliver is a huge for good or ill. It's a good source of where most <laughs> of us get our, our honest to God news coverage. Yeah. And a lot and, of them will say, don't come to us for news, but in honest, in all honesty, you, you end up being informed because there has to be truth in the headline and the topic that they're using just for them to tell the joke. So you're getting what's happening. You're actually exactly that. Exactly true. So we, we get the news, that's the information, and we get it while we're laughing. You know, we mm-hmm. get it while we're while we're hearing this message because it's engaging. Yeah. And, and it's, it was really that model. I w- I'm looking at this going, man, that's how people get their news. I wonder if I can teach them how to take better care and make their cat live to age 18. Like, yeah. can, I, can I do that? I'm going to try it. And that was really the try with, with Kona Shame, which is a YouTube show. And, you know, we do, we, do, um, we do a ton of stuff on Facebook. We've got about a quarter million Facebook followers and you know, we, we publish on drandyrourke.com pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. There's something that goes up there, but it's, 
it's positive and it's it, it's fun, but it it's got a, a key message about life in veterinary medicine or right. about taking care of, of pets. And how do you thread this needle of okay, I'm making jokes. I don't want to offend anybody. The important thing is for people to be informed. But when you're going out to the masses, there's always going to be one person who took something the wrong way or is just, you know, making a big deal out of something, whether it's, you know, like I I know your work. I've helped write your work. There's no mm-hmm. Ill, Ill intent behind it and there's no carelessness in the writing. And it's mostly been because the focal point is giving information. So, right. you know, is that how you basically maneuver around bad situations is because the joke, I mean, the, the point of the work you're putting out that involves comedy is not to push comedic envelopes, but instead to inform people. I do think that people have a respect for your intentions. Mm-hmm. And if they believe that you are coming at this trying to help, they may still get offended if you... You know, if you make a joke and they say, oh, man, that was, you know, and I, 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 I don't, we wouldn't do this. But let's say that we made a, a joke about cancer, which is always sort of a, a tricky right. thing to pull off in a sensitive way. So mm-hmm. say we say we did try that and and someone was bothered by it. Um, I think that they handle that better saying, oh, I understand that he was trying to to talk in a productive way about mm-hmm. helping pets with cancer, not to be respect disrespectful. I'm still going to apologize. You know, that person who say, hey. Obviously, that wasn't our intent, you know, right, and, and right. I'll, I'll be sympathetic and hear what they say. But the other part of it is it comes from authenticity. You know, mm-hmm. I live in this world and I talk to pet owners all day, every day, and I talk to uh, other veterinarians. And so I, I generally tend to know what sets people off. I tend yeah. to know what people's triggers are. And, and I, this is not the first time that I've heard, hey, this idea or this topic is upsetting to this person and I've mm-hmm. thought about how do you know how do I approach this in a respectful way that's still engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so so knowing who your people are, mm-hmm. that's the biggest part of comedy. It's the benign violation, and we know right. you know we who what is benign really depends on who is hearing it. And so right. the better you know your audience, the better off you are. That's mm-hmm. just a, a great power for people who are thinking about trying to use comedy and humor in another avenue to make a living, right? So I'm going to mm-hmm. take this and and put it somewhere else. I went to college with the guy who runs the ad campaign for Old Spice. You know the mm-hmm. the man that your man could smell like. Remember oh, those commercials? Yeah, 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 it is. I mean, he ran that and the guy is hilarious. I mean, he's always been the funniest guy I know. And he's figured out how to take his humor and comedy and work with this team that he works with, of course. Mm-hmm. And then make this thing that he he makes a good living doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see people who can weave that stuff together and, mm-hmm. and, and match it up. The biggest part of this, I really think, is it's knowing your audience. Like, who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. What type of people are you trying to resonate with? So he knows there's a certain type of people who buy Old Spice. You know, like there's a right. certain demographic <laughs> that, that he's trying to talk to. Mm-hmm. For me, I am trying to talk to hardcore pet owners. You know, people who are real. You're not going to watch my six-minute video about this medical condition, <laughs> unless you're either dealing with a medical condition where you are fully invested, mm-hmm. or you are just a a pet health geek. And there's a lot of those people, and I love those right. people. So, so, but those are my people, and so mm-hmm. I I know those people. I know what they care about. I know what they struggle with, mm-hmm. and that really helps me to craft humor that works. I see. The other part of this that I think it makes that can make you really successful is you know say I am. I'm a moderate, uh, moderately funny. I, I think that's, that's kind of where I put myself. But if you come and you see me do a presentation or you come to one of my conferences or events or things like that, you're probably someone who works in a vet clinic, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's say, that's who this is for. Mm-hmm. I have got material that you will never hear Louis CK do <laughs> because he just doesn't have a bit about heartworm disease or fleas. And right. There's something amazing about that. You know, when you're talking, and again, I know this is weird, but there are people and a big piece of their life is talking to other people about fleas. And so you would never think about working a flea bit into your stand-up routine. Right. But I but I totally will because those are the people I talk to and they go, Oh my God, I've never heard anybody talk about this or make these jokes. And <laughs> and so I stand alone, thank God, in this in this <laughs> little space. 
So, but that's my niche. Those are my people. Right. And so I can bring something humorous that they have never seen before and impact them, not because I'm greatly skilled, but because I'm a geek and I'm their kind of geek. Yeah. So there's having purpose and there's knowing your people. And there, I guess, also is knowing how to resonate with your people. Right. Is there anything else you would add to that um, cocktail, I guess, of needed aspects to this? I mean, the the last piece is, um, you know, no, it's tied to knowing to your knowing your people, mm-hmm. getting your people together, you know, collecting whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook. You know, a lot of times we look at social media and YouTube and we think it's, it, it's we see it as a platform to blast our comedic voice out into the world. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. And and we all swing for the fences and we want something that's just going to really break out and go viral. But if you want a sustained um, level of success, like you want something that's going to pay the bills month after month after month, mm-hmm. you, you really not trying to hit home runs all the time. You're trying to make consistently good stuff. That is going to resonate with your people, the people who like you, who think your comedy is great. And you want to find those people and get them to a place where you can get back in front of them again and again and again. Okay. That's that's really that's really the take on that. I think a lot of people don't don't understand. You are better off having a hundred hardcore fans and you have their email address and you can email them when you're doing a gig. When you've got a new material coming out, you've got a new, uh, you know, course coming out. You're you're mm-hmm. you're teaching. You're doing a lecture, a workshop, whatever. You're better off having a hundred hardcore, you know, people who are really fans of you and and would actually reach in their wallet and get out money to pay to see you than you are having a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand Twitter followers who don't really give a crap about you. You're just kind of in there. You know right. what I mean? You're just kind of kind of popping up. Someone that Ultimately, they just scroll past. Exactly. And people look at like Twitter followers and go, oh man, that's powerful. That's meaningful. If you have a ton of followers and they are not willing to support you, to give you a shout out, to tell their friends about you, to reach into their wallet and pay money for, to see what you're doing or support you and what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you don't really have a lot from a business standpoint, like pay the bills standpoint. And I'm not trying to knock people who are pure comics who, you know, who grow up and, and later on, that audience may become something else and you get great opportunities. Mm -hmm. But if you're someone who's serious about using comedy in your regular life, never forget the people you serve. Really. You're looking to them. If you start to look at them to support yourself, you need those engaged, serious people. And you should trade away a ton of people who don't really give a crap about you for those people who really do, because those are the people who will make you and let you have a, a real career. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's good advice for creating any kind of thing. I've seen movies where somebody, I can't remember the specific movie, but they were taking a particular topic that isn't something people make movies out of usually, and the way they approached the movie didn't hold true to the people who are geeks about the topic because they were trying to cast a wide net for who they can, the butts they could put in seats. But the thing that they ended up doing was making a movie that the average moviegoer wouldn't care about because it's a topic they don't relate to or care about because it was too specific. And then the people that would relate to that specific topic were turned off by the poor approach. So you really do need to say, why don't I get this right for the people it matters to? Yeah, completely. The last bit of this, and this is the, this is the hard bit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if you, if you want to make a living doing comedy in your other job, You've got to figure out the piece of the machine that actually turns what you do into into money. You know, and I, and I hate to talk about money like that, but let's be honest. Like at some point, this this thing you've created it needs to spit out dollars mm-hmm. so that you can so you can pay your rent. I mean that that's yeah. that's all it is. And it it took me a while to learn and to sort of pass on. You know, uh, a website is not a business. <laughs> when when people come in and look at your website. That's, it's not a, it's not a business, you know, open mics are not a business. That's, that's right. part of it. You're growing and building the machine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but at some point you need that piece that fits on where it says, okay. And at this point, the person puts their credit card number in and I, you know, and I get money out the back or at mm-hmm. this point they show up and they pay admission, you know, or at this point 
I get hired by this company and I come in and I provide the service to them, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's the piece that you got to figure out. And I think a lot of us really struggle hard with what the heck is that piece? Oh, and yeah. I think it's, it's different for everybody, but you know, n- never lose sight of that. And when you figure that piece out, mm-hmm. that's what, that's when you're really in business. So, yeah, you know, before that you have a glorified hobby. <laughs> you you do. And it's a, a wonderful, fulfilling, you know, thing. And, and, and you know about this, you, you and I've talked about it many times, having mm-hmm. that outlet, you know, that creative outlet is, that's part of being happy, which we all yeah. want. Oh yeah. But to transition over to, I'm a professional, this is how I make my living. The, You've exactly. got to have that thing. So for to. me, for me, there's, there's a variety of things. It's, you know, if you, if people bring me their pet and I make them laugh and we connect and they think, man, that guy is awesome. What the, that was the funniest, coolest vet I've ever seen. They're going to come back and I'm going to take care of their pets and that's how I'm going to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, I go, I went to Atlanta and I lectured and the people paid to come and, and spend a day and get this education mm-hmm. so they could do their jobs better. And, and I got, you know, I get paid for that. I've done work where I'll go and talk to people who work for a company and talk to them about certain skills and the company pays me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got the YouTube show and, and we run, you know, YouTube ads and I get like eight bucks a month from them, you know, something, <laughs> something like that. It, it, it's definitely not, that has not been a, a much of a revenue stream. So figuring out the other things, like how do you make that part work? Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really the missing piece for a lot of people. And so, and I think a lot of us are very creative and we don't like that money part. Yeah. But it, it's, it's kind of, that's the, if the job. If we want to be a professional, it? if we want to have a job in this, then we have to think about that. And that's just, right. that is the very toughest thing for creatives to get over. That's the toughest hump for them to get over is figuring out how to transition to making money and networking with people because they just feel bad. You know, and I get like asking yeah. people for money, essentially, however you word it is, it feels kind of weird and slimy, but you're not necessarily slimy. Uh, just for having a price tag on something. It's just, it just means that you value something. It's usually going to be better in the long run because it tells people that it's a value when you put val- a, a monetary value to it. You know, And it's, yeah. it's again, it's what's going to take it from a glorified hobby to an actual profession. When you and I started out in alchemy uh, comedy and comedy theater, and from the very beginning, those guys charge for shows. There might be a couple of charity shows here and there, but for the most part, they always charged a fee to come and see the show. And I was talking to Harrison Brookie, the founder about it. And part of his philosophy was what we do has value. And that, and we really want people to believe that and understand that. And that is why we charge for all of our shows. And that mentality, again, when you first hear it, you're like, Oh man, why don't we try to grow this and get people in? And, and, and you need to do that. You need to grow your audience, of course. But we don't like the business side of what we do. However, when we set the price and we say, this is what it costs if you want me to do the thing. First of all, people show up and they're invested in the show because they have paid you know, to be there. They've got skin in the game. They want to laugh. They want mm-hmm. to have a good time. And it also set, it sets higher expectations, which you then will push yourself to, to meet and exceed but it does establish you as a professional. You're not just some guy at a bar right. trying to, you know, get some yucks. You're a professional improv comic, in, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree. You are getting paid to do this work. And so it shifts the whole game. I think a lot of us are, are uncomfortable with that initial conversation. And, and we have to fake it. You have to pretend like, oh, this is a normal thing. I get paid to do this thing that people enjoy. Super normal. It happens all the time. And it's your first time doing it and you're internally you're screaming – Oh my God, they're going to know I'm a fake. It's like, well, no, you're not just <laughs> what you do is good and make sure what you do is good. Mm-hmm. And then you know, people associate price and value. And when you say I need to get paid this for the work that I do, a lot of times people are going to say, wow, she's better than I thought. I did yeah. not know that she was that level. Um, and they'll pay you. And then what's amazing is they will then see that level of value in you because yeah. you charge them a fee for it. Yeah. I remember overhearing a guy talking about uh, Jerry Seinfeld when he was coming to Greenville, and someone said what someone told the guy what the ticket price was, and the guy said, "Oh, well, he thinks a lot of himself." But you know, the thing is, number one, he's he thinks a lot of the product he's putting out. Products, right. I know, an icky word, but I just mean he's putting out on shows, 
and he mm-hmm. values those shows and he's put a right. price tag to the value and to the time and uh, other concerns for traveling all over the place to do shows and people were willing to pay it. And as my, yep. uh, my mentor, Mr. Bill Drake would say, if people are willing to pay for it, it's not too much. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So well, it's, not, it's I, not even a matter of like his ego. It's just a matter of like, what is the show worth? And if people are willing to pay for it, it's worth that. One of the big lessons I think for, for comedians is a certain amount of resilience. And, you know, we're, if you've done this for very long, you've been heckled. You know, you've had people who didn't like your joke or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but the money part, it just goes hand in hand with that where it's like, you know, there are people who will go to a, pick a movie that you saw recently like It. Um, mm-hmm. I went to the theater. I saw It. It cost what it cost. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 15 bucks now to, for one person to go to the movie theater where we live. And, and you pay the money. Other people go, God, I would never pay that for a movie. That's fine. I paid it and I was fine with it and I, and I had a great time and I don't regret it. Right. I, I got, I respect the person who chooses not to pay that money. I get it, mm-hmm. I res- but I'm still going to pay it. Right. And, and I don't think the people who made the movie it are going to be like, oh my gosh, Jill from uh, Wisconsin says it's too much money. Let's get down to where Jill is comfortable and that's what we'll ask. That's <laughs> right. not how this, wor- it's not how it works. So when you go pro, one of you know one of the things you have to get your head around is the fact that some people are going to roll their eyes and they're yeah. going to walk away, and that's just life and that's just fine. We have this weird tendency to focus on the person who goes, "Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that," you know. That's fine. Yeah. There's enough people who will pay it that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go forward. You do not have to have something that everyone says I would pay for that. I mean, that just that will never happen, no matter <laughs> what. So so decide what you think is valuable and put it out there and say this is what my thing is and this is what it costs and be able to look people in the eye and and don't back down. Say this is what it is. And ultimately, some people will walk away and other people will say, hey. I'll, I'll take that. Sign me up. How do I get involved? How do I do this? Yeah. It's a powerful lesson. It is emotionally hard. Yeah. But it, it is. this is a, a rite of passage that you have got to at some point put a price on a ticket and say, this is what a ticket costs to do this thing that I have made. And you got to mean it. Yeah, absolutely. All very good ad- advice. There's a lot of good advice in there. What are all the things that you're doing now? You're doing conferences. Obviously, you're a veterinarian, but as yep. far as utilizing comedy, you're doing conferences. Uh, you got the web series. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So, uh, I've got drandyrourke.com is the website. So we uh, we publish a couple articles a week. I'm almost about one a day now. So I've got you know I've got an editor there who helps do that stuff and. We've got the web series uh, on YouTube, Cone of Shame, and we're putting out new episodes of that. I'm doing uh, a lot more, sort of, sort of starting to work again on some sketch videos, which I really enjoy. So sketch comedy stuff is yeah. it, with a with a veterinary feel. Uh, I'm working on that stuff again. I uh, actually, so I own two conferences now. So we're planning those for next year, and they're both for you know for people who are in veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. I I speak at a lot of conferences. I, I was in Atlanta yesterday. I I head out to Toronto uh, next week. And I'm doing some stuff up there. And so, so the traveling and the speaking is, is a lot of it. And, uh, and I got two little kids and so I'm kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> raising, raising them as well, uh, with my wife. And that's, I mean, that's, that's enough for right now, I think yeah. to keep me busy. Yeah. And what's, what are your social media accounts for people to find you? Yeah. The main one is, is on Facebook. If you search for Dr. Andy Rourke on Facebook, you'll find me there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Dr. Dr. Andy Rourke at Instagram as well. Those are the two big ones where I, invest time and energy. If you love pictures of puppies and kittens and, and want to see what medicine is like, Instagram is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you want to read, read more about what life and vet medicine is like for the nurses and the doctors, and that's more of the Facebook account. So okay, yeah, just great. if you search my name, you'll find it for sure. Great. Yeah. And of course, right now everyone needs some cute pictures of animals <laughs> to like be a part of their day. So <laughs> it never hurts. It, it, never it can hurts only them. help. Uh, let's try to create something together. Um, sure. Let's say um, someone, it could even be me, uh, okay. wanted to put together a sort of, uh, they want to make that transition to yeah. being professional. Perfect. Uh, what are some steps that they immediately need to take in order to do that? 
Perfect. So the first thing really in the way that I approach this is who are your people, right? Mm -hmm. So what is your audience? Are there a certain type of people that are going to resonate with you? Who, who likes you to get started? And hopefully what we hope is that you grow your audience up and it will just get bigger and bigger and more inclusive and more inclusive as you Mm -hmm. go. But the first thing that I would do was, would say, who are your people? And so let's sort of walk through that exercise. Kind of what are the demographics? Why don't you tell me about sort of your ideal audience member, like the person who really cracks up at what Jason Farr does? That's a good question. And it's something that I need to work through because I'm not entirely sure what type of people are the ones who my material resonates with the most. I don't know if it's you know, if you say Southerner, then people might think, oh, then you should start doing Southern material. And then you end up right. going down like a, a Larry the Cable Guy road, which is not yeah, obviously that's not right you. for me. Yeah, it's not me at all. Um, and of course, what I would like my audience to be are thoughtful people, but yep. like thoughtful, chill people at the same time who just, you know, like yeah. enjoy a laugh. You know, like I guess yep. but I, I want the people who are intellectual and thoughtful and aren't necessarily trying to like drag people on Twitter. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Okay. So, so let's, let's think about it. And again, we would have to, we would take this apart and it it would be a bit of a process. Let's, let's say that, um, let's say that, that sort of the social justice crowd was, was kind of more where you were going. Let's just say, right. Um, so then I would say, all right, cool. So, so these are the people who really get your, your humor. This is where you're coming from. You've got a, a lot of insight in, in social issues, and that's where your where your own personal interests are. Mm-hmm. Say, so, okay, great. Let's go ahead. Let's get let's get your online presence set up. And now, how do we how do we integrate into that community? How do we start to show those people where do we go to meet them? Where do we find them? How do we get in front of them? And so now we're not just is spitting out into Twitter and out into the world. Right. We say, hey, these are these are the locations where they hang out. These mm-hmm. are events that they frequent. Can I get involved in those events? Who organizes those events? Mm-hmm. Who sets this thing up? Can I be supportive? Can I jump in? Can I volunteer? Let me help these people because they obviously they resonate with me, mm-hmm. which means I'm part of the community and I'm going to be supportive of that community. Mm-hmm. So let me volunteer. Who are the event organizers? What are they trying to accomplish? How can I help them? And so, I, so I'm going to go. I'm going to try to meet these people. I'm going to be supportive of them and where they're going. And hopefully at some point, Maybe I can get an opportunity to get some stage time, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, you've got mm-hmm. an event. You're doing a fundraiser. I'm Jason Farr. I'm a comedian. This is my resume. And you've got a great resume. Thank you. you know, let, let, let me. Do, you do. You've got a great resume. Let, let me. Can I do 20 minutes? Can I do 30 minutes? You know, um, only if you want. And, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll donate my time. I will totally, you know, just to be supportive. And the next thing you know, now you're on stage in front of the people who really get your stuff. Mm-hmm. And the next step is when I get that stage time and I do that work and you kill it and you know you'll kill it. So kill it. And then what you want to do is figure out and again, do it in a way that's not douchey, you know, but but ultimately I I want to I want these people to come with me. And so I'm going to give a plug to my Facebook page. I'm going to ask. I'm not going to tell them all all my stuff. I'm going to try to just give them one thing because I don't want to confuse anybody. I want to make it easy. Hey, follow me at uh, Jason Farr Jokes on Twitter you know, that's where you can find me. And hopefully I'm going to continue to convert these people. Now I've got people who, who are interested in me really following and paying attention. Mm. And now I'm growing a meaningful audience and I'm building a brand and I'm moving towards the type of thing where I've got people who will, they love my stuff and they know what I do. And Mm -hmm. yes, they will pay a cover charge to come and see me do Mm -hmm. my thing. You know what I mean? And, 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 and they, and they, and I'm building up and, Ultimately, what you want is you want to, you know, you don't want to just get stage time at Comedy Zone. You want to get stage time at Comedy Zone and have the place be packed with people who, <laughs> right. who I mean, people don't necessarily realize the power of inertia of an audience. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I do my, my geeky vet thing, I've got so many advantages because people know me from Facebook and they show up and they think this guy is funny. <laughs> They're already ready to laugh before I even get there. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. It, it's a huge advantage. So. So I guess that would be the plan that I would I would say if we're building something, let's identify your people, let's mm-hmm. figure out where they are, let's figure out how to get involved in that community and get in front of it, and then let's convert those people, your people, back to your social media, mm-hmm. back to a newsletter that you send out, wh- mm-hmm. whatever your thing is, mm-hmm. and now we're building that type of meaningful audience. And as we 
get those people and we take care of them and we and we share our material with them ultimately we're going to figure out that piece of the machine that clips on that turns audiences into dollars and now we'll be able to start to generate real revenue and along the way you're saying figure out how like what kind of material would benefit the people your people sure Uh, absolutely of course think about media outlets that are for a certain type of people right Mm -hmm. and this is not i'm not i'm not um supporting these groups at all but think about like like fox news there is a certain Mm -hmm. demographic that just that's their that's their jam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they know those people and they serve those people and they've got those people and and, and i hate, i wish I, I need to think of other examples uh besides <laughs> besides that as well but um but but that that you know those people resonate with that um with that outlet message or yeah with that message or that or that tone or mm-hmm, that approach mm-hmm. whatever it is there is an audience for jason Farr that resonates with your tone and approach and your style mm-hmm. and your humor and figuring out those people and starting, and this is how you really grow something over the long term, meaningful. Mm-hmm. We all hope that we'll we'll have some we'll have a we'll have a routine that just kills, and people just they hear it and their minds are blown. It doesn't matter who they are, mm-hmm. and that can happen. But again, putting one foot in front of the other and growing a business slowly over time, mm-hmm. it's about finding your people. You know, think right. about like like Sam Kennison had his. There were there were <laughs> yeah. his. People, yeah. you know, like, oh yeah, Doug like, Benson Larry, has his people. Jeff Foxworthy, Larry yeah. the like, like you, you mentioned Larry the Cable Guy earlier. Mm-hmm. They have their people, right? You have your people. Who mm-hmm. are they? And you start mm-hmm. with them. And as those people love you more, they will tell their friends, and they will find you more of your people. And they'll say, "You have got to hear this Jason Farr guy," and they will pull you in. But that's yeah. that's a long term plan for building an audience that will actually support you. Yeah. And it's such good advice because one of the things that I think most comics who are starting out do is they will say, Well, you know, hopefully I'll just see people and they'll think I'm funny and someone will just want me and then it'll just catch off like wildfire. And that's just not how it works. You know, like it's not generally like that. It's usually, even if it is uh, genuine, which I do want to ask about being genuine in a second, and then uh, it'll probably be time to end, but um, being genuine, uh, but also um, having a plan. I mean, it's like, it, it can feel like having a plan isn't... Uh, it, it can feel like having a plan is counterintuitive to being genuine, and that's what holds people back. But they they actually do have to have this thought process that you're talking about. But speaking of genuine, how? Because I know your work. I know how genuine genuine you are. You're not looking at everyone as dollar signs. Um, but there is this plan that involves getting dollars. Um, how can people still approach this? What is the sort of mindset to be in so people can approach this sort of plan and this approach to their career and still be genuine about it? Right. So the biggest thing is, is, is to believe that you are helping people and that you are supporting the group that, that supports you and say, you know, let's jump back to our, to our example a moment ago of, of, of the Jason Farr crowd the great jason Farr hardcore fans you brighten their day you know you you lift them up like you give them an outlet you let them know that you that they're not alone mm-hmm. and i don't think any of us have a problem if you know if, if you if i baked you a loaf of bread and gave it to you and you gave me money none of us would feel guilty about that i right. think a lot of us struggle with comedy because it's this intangible invisible thing thing Mm -hmm. and so we still create it just like like the the food that we'd make and we give it to people and it is appreciated just like you know a (laughs) wonderful dessert it's something that people appreciate and love but because we can't hold in our hands i think a lot of us struggle to think that this that this thing has value Mm -hmm. and 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 we just have to to get over that and and understand that what we're doing it is valuable and so if we step back to say hey there's a there's a social movement I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let, let's say that um, you know sexual harassment is in the news right now, and right. and you you and I are are both we've we've had number numerous conversations about about comedy and mm-hmm. and what our role is as men in comedy and how how we stamp this out and we, we are supportive of of female improvisers and comedians. Mm-hmm. 
you know, at, at this point, um, I want to serve that cause. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I want, I want, I want to give it, I want to lift people up and be a part of that. And right. if I ever get to a point where I can, I can lift people up and, and I can bring value to them and I can help them and, and I can make, um, make a living so I can pay my rent at the same time, which, which mm-hmm. then empowers me to invest more into the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything icky or weird about that. I think that that's how this has got yeah. to work. I think yeah. there's a lot of people who are in comedy and who are doing wonderful things in the world and they could do more wonderful things and they could lift more people up and they make a bigger difference if they were able to support themselves, if they would say, Hey guys, I need to get paid for this so that I can have more time and energy to invest back into it. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that their accomplishments and the benefit they would bring to the world would be so much greater if that was a a sustainable system. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for a lot of us, it's not, we are trying to do good in the world after we get off work at the end of the day and we're exhausted and it's like, ah, so much potential, (laughs) but, but we, but we've got to, we've got to say, Hey, if you guys will support me, I can support you more. Mm -hmm. And this is a positive thing because none of us are, are trying to, you know, to gouge people. None of us are trying to, you know, take advantage of anyone. Exactly. I think most of us would just love to have a reasonable standard of living. Yeah. Through comedy, like that would like, we don't have to be rich and famous. Just oh my god, I get to do this and this is my life. How wonderful is that? Yeah, I don't think anyone would fault us for that. We yeah. just believe in what we're doing and say, this is this is my dream and this is where I'm going. And it really is one foot in front of the other and having a plan and saying how am I going to grow myself in this community that I want to be a part of and support and lift up. Yeah. And the way that's hitting me is to never forget the purpose that you went in with it for. Right. Well, there it is. This has been super encouraging and inspirational and I think informative as well. So thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have had him on. I hope you learned something from that. And I hope that you feel like you can now hit the ground running in putting together a plan and just starting this exciting part of your comedy journey. As he mentioned, you can find him online, DrAndyRourke.com, also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at DrAndyRourke. Go to YouTube and do a search for Cone of Shame. Very funny stuff there. I've been involved in a couple of things. If you hear Batman in an early episode, that was me. And um, because I had fun doing a Batman impression. Folks, that is today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As I said, next week's episode, also very fun. Don't forget, you can find out more about us online at There It Is Pod on both Facebook and Twitter, and at Jason Far Jokes on Twitter, at Jason Far Picks on Instagram. And don't forget, you can go to thereitispod.com and you can support the podcast. You can read up on blogs, going to be posting on that soon. And you can also get some of these links for Dr. Andy Rourke that we talked about just a minute ago. Happy Halloween. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.